Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Well, driving in, we weren't, I, I was not expecting there to be precipitation today. I don't think anybody really was. And, um, you know, we Texans are not used to 19 degrees outside. It's pretty wild. It doesn't feel terrible, but um, once there's rain involved and snow and sleet and stuff, it, people become very crazy around here. I don't know if you guys knew that, or maybe you are those guys. Um, but I will tell you, I'm so excited to start this new year. I feel like last year, um, the Hornet, that, that was uh, very personal, but it was also something of the history of the Hoff and moving forward. And so I'm really excited about the themes of inheritance and legacy and the revelation of our Father um, for our house. I think this is, this is going to be a, a, forefront, a forefront uh, revelation that I think we're putting our roots even deeper into this year. Something that we're really going to major on, something I am. And so I'm really excited about some of the stuff that I feel like the Lord's kind of given me and shown me and, and led me into speaking in these next several weeks. And I, I'm not a series guy, you know what I mean? I kind of like to trust the Lord and seek Him for what the, the Word is for the meal for the house, usually on a weekly basis, and a lot of times it ties together. But I feel like I've been kind of given somewhat of a series of things to like look into as far as the legacy that is our inheritance. Um, in the kingdom, our true father. And I'm really excited about that. But that being said, I did not expect the weather to be as it is today. And I'm surprised to see so many of you here. It's like, wow, we, we had a turnout for a, for, a, for a blizzard. This is what we call a blizzard, you know, 19 degrees and a little bit of rain. Um, you know, but um, I am gonna put, I am gonna put the beginning of what I wanna do um, for us on hold because of the time, because of the weather and everything until next week. Stephanie came up and I talked with her. They live kind of out in the Athens area and her husband was saying, hey, it's really, it's coming down out here and it's not showing it on our, on our radar and stuff. And so I went and looked and it says that we're under a, a weather winter storm warning at, at noon today. And so I think this, I, I wanna give us plenty of time to get to where you need to go, whether that's Brookshire's and back to your house or, you know, you know, to get some food and all that. The legacy that is our true inheritance of the Father. And I think um, even some things that I've been considering this week concerning our message and our inheritance is, and what I will be talking about is this, the introduction of who God truly is to mankind. And we will be starting with that in in Genesis. Um, And we're going to see this beautiful introduction of God. And to man and him manifesting himself as a father. But the Bible is full of stories where he came and he communicated who he truly was to people and it was always contrary to what they thought, right? And it's a theme, it's something we've talked about a lot here that the Bible is, it's in, in simplicity, there's this ancient war between two different trees. The knowledge of good and evil was one, and one was called life. And um, these two 
trees are at complete odds throughout the scriptures. And, you know, the very last chapter of the book, we see the winner, the winning tree. And we see what it really is. And I don't think we have a capacity or I don't think we really understand what trees really represent. I mean, definitely they represent our inheritance and our heritage, our family, the family tree that we belong from. We are the oaks of righteousness, the planting of God. Um, but there's so much more to this, this tree of Revelation 22, this tree of life that is alongside the river of life which flows from the throne of God. And it, and it yields all these different fruit constantly. It's not just stuck on one, like an orange tree or an apple tree. And that its leaves are for the healing of nations. The leaves are actually for healing. And we see this in the book of Ezekiel, and we see it again um, pronounced in, in its heavenly reality in, in Revelation 22. And also this reality that these two opposing trees, the knowledge of good and evil, which was the poison which caused man to see God as both good and evil, that caused the, what we know as the fall or all of darkness to come into the world, um, is so much contrary to a tree that only gives life and only gives life and light. And um, even for us, the leaves of the trees aren't, you know, it's more about the fruit, but this tree, even its leaves are for healing. And, you know, um, there's, there's not a bit of it that goes to waste. And we know there's, there's aspects of, of trees even now, like you, we understand just in science that the, the light of the sun is actually green. We just can't see it well because of the way our eyes are made. And, and that trees reflect the light of the sun. That's why their leaves are green. But I believe there's so much more to these trees, especially even when they're fully unlocked, as they will be, as all of creation is groaning and longing for, to be redeemed and, and to step into the inheritance of the sons of God, unlocking it. Um, I believe there's so much more function to, to trees in the natural. But let alone the war of these two trees um, was this... Jesus is the manifestation. He is the very tree of life. And he comes and he introduces himself to all, these, all of mankind, which has been poisoned by this other tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And so since it's been, mankind's been poisoned, every time he shows up, he's so contrary to what man thought he was going to be like. You know? And even throughout the Old Testament, so many people... He would show up, the angel of the Lord, the embodiment of Yahweh, Jesus, God himself, would be embodied, and he would show up, and people would have a complete misconception of who he was. Now, we see that level 10 in the New Testament where the religious people, the ones who claimed to know God the most by their knowledge, were so poisoned by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they actually wanted to kill the tree of life when he was manifested because they thought he was, they were calling him Satan and stuff. You're of the devil. You're of Beelzebub and all these different things. They were, they were so twisted in mind by that poison and drunk with it that they could not see life manifesting and bearing his fruit constantly and his healing constantly everywhere that they were. And so the story of our inheritance and our heritage is the story of people's minds being unlocked, the poison being extracted extracted yeah little by little to where they actually saw God as he truly was and as he truly is because as we say often those who see God without a veil or a misconception over their face 2 Corinthians 3:18 when they see him as he actually is they're transformed into the same image from glory to glory 
So it's not a syringe. You don't take of his blood and syringe yourself with it. It's actually, you actually, by seeing him, just as the leaves of the tree actually reflect the light of the sun, that color green, um, we see him and we're transformed into his same image by actually seeing him without the misconception, without the influence of the poison, the gossip and the slander of the snake's tongue that's painted a picture of him that we've accepted. Without all of that on our minds, that veil, we actually see him and it causes us to turn green like a leaf, you know, or, you know, to, to reflect. And, but not only do the leaf, the, the tree, the, the roots, the branches, the, the trunk, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, I don't know, to reflect the one in whose image we've been created. And so the whole Bible is this story. And there's so many things about even just theology, and, and I say that as somebody, you know, who studies the Bible I feel like I am a student of the Bible. I am a scholar of the Bible, but I'm a student of the Bible. And I see all these, these we, people meeting him and even having their name, name changed half the time, right? You know, the disciples like, hey, nice to meet you, Simon. Now your name is Peter. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Jesus shows up, the creator, the embodiment of Yahweh, the one in whom, who was, who was with God in the beginning and is God. And the one in whom, and by whom, and through whom all things were created, shows up to his creation. And you would think he's renaming people, but he's not. He knew them before they, their parents named them, you know, just like us. And he sees the real you, and he knows the real you, and he speaks to you, and it unlocks who you are. Because he, it, he, calls, you, he calls you forth like Lazarus, you know? It's like he calls your person forth, which is why the most important thing you can do is actually know his voice and get to know him because he's the one who, he's the unlocker, you know? He has the key of David, which unlocks absolutely everything, right? The, the key of David, that Isaiah 22, and it's also in the book of Revelation, like he has that key, which is the cross, and it unlocks everything, but it unlocks you. It unlocks your mind, it unlocks your person, your capabilities, everything about you. And he meets these people and, and all of his disciples have nicknames. Thomas's twin, you know what I mean? I don't know which person he looked like. I know Thomas can mean twin too. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, he got the sons of thunder, like endearing fun nicknames. Peter, you know, Simon gets called Peter, nice to meet you and you're this. And he's like a boss, like, and it's just like, you got somebody else just coming in telling him who he is from, from the jump, from the get go, you know? I don't know why, you know, Paul ends up, Saul ends up being Paul later on. And, and you know, just all kinds of the, these fun things. Um, golly, the, the nation, the people of the inheritance, Israel. I mean, that guy's name is Jacob. Jesus wrestled him around overnight. And next thing, by the way, this is your name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not, in other words, you're not who you think you are. You're from me. And I see the essence, the, the heritage, the inheritance of, of a true dad that so many people are longing for. Even if you had a good dad in this life. Many people haven't, many have. Um, but e even if you've had, it's like you, you, you still trace your lineage to somewhere deeper, your identity to somewhere that's more, more real or, or more, more eternal, this ancient, this ancient truth or reality of your person. And, and that's who he's coming and he's communicating. Like, hey buddy, I know you. 
I know who you are. Peter's like, I'm a man of unclean lips. That's who I am. Get up. You, you picked the wrong guy. He's like, no, nah, you're going to catch people. You're going to be a fisher of men. And here he is constantly awakening identity. This is who you are. And it's our dad in a costume coming as this Jewish rabbi, the eternal king. You know, nobody knows. If the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. You know, 1 Corinthians 2 says, 2, 8. And it's like, here he is on stealth in order to redeem everyone, but he's coming and he's sitting next to each and every one of you right now. He's sitting with you and he bumps into you and everything you need is actually with you and you just don't know it. I'm not saying that in a condescending way. Like everything we need, I'll, I'll include myself, is sitting right, is right with us and, and many times we just don't realize it. Our dad is right there. Our real dad. Our real inheritance. He is our actual inheritance, which is wonderful. He is our home, which is incredible. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has been woven through and it's influenced a lot of the scriptures. It, it definitely influences the majority of its teaching to cause people to still see him as bipolar, to still see him through the lens of the other tree that he wars against, um, and to make people feel this place of separation from him. Because the strategy of the demonic or of the enemy is to make people not see who he is, because if they ever really see him, it's over with. You know, It's like tag team wrestling, if you like that, you know. Or wrestling, yeah, I hear some laughs, yeah, man. I, you know, I, I didn't get to watch, I had two sisters, so I had to share a television when I was a kid. I didn't get to watch much of it. I wanted to, man. See Randy Savage or whoever it was. Ooh, yeah. You know, getting tagged in, coming in. Uh, you know, it's like, but I don't even know why I even said that right there. I already lost the point that I was trying to make, but... But there is this reality that he's literally right there. I wouldn't say to be tagged in, but he's right there to help us in everything that we have to go through and walk through in our life. And the plans and purposes for us are beyond our capacity. The Jeremiah 29, like I know the thoughts that I think, the plans that I have, the success that I've, that I've designed for you. Even if you've taken a wrong way, I've created this thing called repentance and ability to turn. And I'll put you back on that path, my path, in order that you would completely be fruitful and multiply. That, that way your Father would be glorified in heaven. Those are the words of Jesus. By this, your Father is glorified in heaven that you bear a lot of fruit. It's like success. It's like to thrive, to constantly have hope, to constantly have vision. That's His purpose. That's His plan. But the reality is, and, you know, said this for 12 years, but it's like, we have to be able to sit with the scriptures in an intelligent way and be willing to rethink everything we've thought or believed about God. Have to. Yeah. James 3 says uh, that the wisdom that is from above is full of good fruit, but it's willing to yield. And I used to think like, well, why would you yield if you got the wisdom from above? I'm not going to listen to this guy over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> But the reality is like there's something to humility. There's, there's this wisdom that comes from above that when you're willing to yield, you're, you're willing to learn. You're willing to question everything. A lot of people are even afraid to question what they believe about the Bible. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, man, if you don't, like what is he going to get mad because you questioned something you didn't know? I mean, what kind of a monster is that? 
that people think God is. You know, a harsh dad. Um, and in the reality, he sees, he sees us completely different. And he ca he's calling us all to step into the level of wholeness that he's fully paid for, by the way. Um, and step out of this anxiety and fear that steers the majority of mankind. That shapes the majority of mankind's image and personality and style and what they put their trust in and all these different things. This profound anxiety, he's, caused, he's called us to step into the to the place of, and I've told you guys about my girls, and I, I hope it's not too much, but like, our girls, man, our two little girls, they don't care what they look like at home. They don't care if they're dressed half the time. They're little kids, you know? They'll wake up and take the comforter off their bed and go in and, you know, sit in another room, watch television or whatever, just completely buck naked, and I'm just walking out like, what are you doing? But it's just like, we're at home and the only people, nobody can see us, and it's like, well, we can see you, you know? But, the, but it's like, you don't count. Because there's this, there's this understanding of like, you fully love me, you fully accept me, you fully don't judge me. And so there's, there's no Adam and Eve concept to even cover themselves up around us. You know what I mean? To, I mean, and, and our girls are, and you can ask, I mean, they're so well behaved in public. It's like, somehow we thought the little one, like, man, this is, this is gonna be a thing, dude. But you know, in public, it's just like, she's the most polite. People are like, what are you guys talking about? We're like, she's a firecracker. Like, no, she's not. And we're just like, Phew, you know? But at home, they know. They can, let, they can let it all go. They can let the fire out, you know? They can let that heat out. But there's such a, there's such a, a rest in that complete and total acceptance. Like, what is vulnerability? Like, what do you mean? I'm at home. Like, it's the definition of it. Like, they're completely comfortable. And this reality that we've been included in this family, this eternal family of this father and his son, or this son and his father, in the spirit. That's like, what? We can't, we don't grasp that level of freedom. And he shows up articulating it constantly. And I think I, I was reading some of this and contemplating some of this um, this week. And I thought about Gideon, who's somebody we've talked about a lot here over the years. What's like the story of Gideon in Judges 6 and 7 and you know, 8, you know, it kind of goes on for a while. And it's not the message at all. I'll probably just kind of, I'm kind of winding down here, but the story of Gideon is, is the classic story of so many people. You could do it with so many people, but I just, he just triggered me this week of somebody who all the Israelites are living subservient to their enemies. They're scared to death of all the Philistines. Many of them are living in caves in air quotes, strongholds in the mountains, just in hiding. They're completely intimidated and afraid of the Philistines that surround them. Um, Gideon is, it's, he's, he's, it's a hilarious story, but he's threshing um, wheat in a wine press, a wine press where you, you, know, you press the grapes and stuff in order to make wine or whatever. He's got wheat and stuff in there doing it, but he's doing it in a misplaced area secretively so that they have food to eat and not starve. 
because they can't do this stuff out in public because if the Philistines in their region can see what they're doing, they'll come and they'll take all their stuff. Like all the produce, all of their crops and all of their grain and all this stuff, the Philistines were coming stealing all of their fruit. So they didn't even have enough to really survive. They were like uh, Debo or uh, bullies, lunch money bullies or whatever. Yeah, I got three smiles out of that. Um, but it's like they couldn't even have their lunch money out or the bullies would come and take it. Like, no, you ain't eating. You know, so like he was like doing it secretly. And Jesus, the angel of the Lord, God himself, the embodiment of Yahweh shows up while he's doing it secretly and quietly and starts yelling at him. While he's hiding, while he's in fear, while he's in all these other things, Jesus shows up. And it's funny because he shows up under this tree, this oak tree. And you'll, you'll start to see this all the way through the scriptures. That the tree of life shows up under this beautiful tree. And if once you really see the Bible as it's really written, you understand that it's so much more mystical and prophetic than even we, you know, we can watch Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or whatever people like these days, but we, people do not understand how profoundly spiritual this book is. And that these massive trees were, would literally, would be like portals of communication where somebody from the other side, whether it was the Lord or angels, would actually come through and manifest at these trees, at these spots almost like these vortexes. I just said, you know, this sounds fun to say vortex in church, you know, I don't know. They would come into these, these weird, I don't know, that's a humming sound. I don't know if they made that, but they would show up. So here he is. And Jesus, the, the angel of the Lord, the embodiment of Yahweh, as it were, is sitting under this tree and he shouts at Gideon, starts yelling at him while he's trying to do this secretive thing in order to have enough to his needs to be met so he can survive and eat. <laughs> He's just trying to get by and do it in secret in a wine press. And Jesus comes, just like with Peter, um, just like Philip, Philip and Andrew in the beginning of John, just like so many of these guys that he names, that he knows, that don't know themselves, and he starts yelling at him, who's doing this thing in secret. And he yells at him, the Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. And it's, I mean, Macho Man Randy Savage right there. He's, he's with you, Macho Man. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, he's like, he's, he's like, it's like God is with you and you are a great warrior champion. And it's just like, what? And number one, it's like, hey, can you tell that I'm doing this in secret, trying to be quiet? so that I can eat and not die? Can you, like, can you please shut up? You're ruining what I'm doing, you know. But Gideon actually fights him, He's, or he argues him, which is what always happens with him, in which you'll find out this is what happens with us because of that poisonous, the poison of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He responds to him, and he says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where's all of his miracles which our fathers told us about? Father, inheritance. This is the time of the judges. So they've seen so many things. The Red Sea, the breakout of Egypt, you know, the Jordan River, the conquering of all these Nephilim kingdoms. And now they're subservient to Nephilim kingdoms, to Philistines, 
to pagans. If he's really if that's true, then why is it like this? Who's speaking the truth in that scenario? Who's right? Who is correct and true? Well, Jesus says he is the way and he is the truth and he's the life. So if he says it, it's his reality. Gideon's argument is like, it's not our reality. I can prove that it's not our reality. And so how can you even say that? So who, who needs to correct? Does the angel of the Lord need to be like, oh, you're right, my bad. You're a loser and God's obviously not with you. You know what I mean? Or does Gideon need to have a change of mind like, wait a second. You mean I'm living in fear, hiding? My people are all in strongholds and caves, plugged into little holes in the walls, um, hiding themselves, and God's with us. So we're allowing this to happen when we have, when our inheritance is not to live this way. That's the wake-up call. That's the wake-up call of humanity. It's always like this too, by the way. Where's his deeds? Did he not bring us out of Egypt, but now he's forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. So the Midian, the king of Midian and Midianites and Philistines and all these rascals, like, it's like, no, God's done this. This is what God's done. He's not with us. He's with them against us. Somebody's got to be right in the scenario. But the Lord, it says, he turns to him, which to me, that's hilarious, which means that he's sitting under the fig tree. I mean, the, I'm sorry, in the oak tree, terebinth tree, oak tree. So he's sitting, maybe Gideon's where you guys are. I'll turn my, my face to the north. He's over there pressing, pressing wine, and it sounds like Jesus is just sitting there yelling it. The Lord is with you! Not even really looking at him. That in itself just makes me laugh. <laughs> it's just like, dude, be quiet, you know? The Lord is with you, warrior. And it's just like, what? No, he's not. Then why is this? And why is this? And why is this? It's like all of his anger and frustration to God leaving him is manifesting. Oh, tell me what you really think. But does the angel of the Lord debate him? I'll go on, to, I'll say in verse 14, not only does he not debate him, it says in, in verse 14, he turns to him and it's as if he doesn't listen to what he was just told by Gideon. And he says, go in this might of yours and you'll save Israel from the host, the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And it's like, dang, dude. It's, it's kind of like the guys who were poisoned with that fruit when they wanted to stone that girl caught in adultery, John 8. And like, they're like, she was caught in the very act. We have proof. She's right here. Moses says, stone her. What do you say? Go. And he sits down and just kind of ignores them, riding on the ground. You know what I mean? And then they kind of walk off. He was without sin, cast the first stone. He's out, he's out of it. I'm not giving you an answer. Um, they drop their stones one by one, right? And then he looks at the girl and he goes, hey, where'd they all go? Which is funny. Where are the accusers? Where are those accusers? Satan. Um, you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't accuse you. 
Like, oh, Jesus is like, oh, is court out of session? Did court, they tried to bring the courtroom. I'm not in it. Or did they leave? Because good. Okay, so yeah, we're back. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, it's almost like he ignored them. Like Jesus ignores Gideon's, Gideon's uh, fear vomiting on God and wound, wound bleeding out, vomiting on God. The Lord is with you, Madam. Well, if he's with us, da 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 All right, cool. So go in this might of yours. Have I not sent you? And, it, and, and at first he's shouting it, and then he's like, then he's looking at him, and he tells it to him. To which Gideon's like, oh my Lord, how can I save, or, or master, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The first was an accusation against God. You say he's this. No, he's not. He's not with us. If he was with us, bang, 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 bang. Jesus doesn't take it personally. He's like, okay, cool. Anyways, so go in this might of yours. The, sec the second thing, one is like, God's not with me. He's not here. I'm alone. I'm alone. That, that is the enemy. I'm by myself. I have no one. Abba's but Abba's here. He's like, he's nudging. He's sitting with us. Well, theologically, we're in him and he's in us. And yeah, yes, yeah, you know what I'm saying. He is with you. That is the lie that God wants displaced over his people. The Lord is with you. He's actually with you if you're with him. Can you be present in that reality and accept that truth? Because if you can, the map starts to open up. The plan and the purpose starts to open up. The strategy starts to open up. He's like, you know, I'm the least in my father's house. You don't understand. It goes from he's not with us, he's abandoned us. Like, Then it's like, yo, I'm a loser, man. You don't understand. I'm the least. Two things that he manifests. Hmm. But the Lord says to him, and he speaks to that, he says, surely I will be with you and defeat the Midianites. You will defeat them as one man. You and me, we win. And I'm with you. Hmm. Gideon's like, this sounds too good to be true, but if it's not, please show me a sign. Don't leave until I go and get an offering and set it before you. And Jesus said, I'll wait. The angel of the Lord, God himself, is sitting under an oak tree saying, I'll wait on you, buddy. Like, this is too hard for me to grasp. I don't know if I can believe this. I don't know if I'm good for this. Would you help me out? We've always been taught delayed obedience is disobedience, son. Like, uh, instant yes or else, you, you, you know, you're in sin or whatever. But the patience of a good father is not like that at all. And he says, I wait for you. All right, you need, you need me to show you something? I'll show you something. So he goes, Gideon goes. He prepares a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah flour, probably that he had just smashed in his wine press, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he put the broth in a pot and he brings it to him and he presents it to him under the terebinth tree, under this large tree, where he's sitting waiting on him, chilling out in the open. How long does it take to cook that up and to cut that goat and to do that stuff? I don't know. 20 minutes, 30, 40, an hour, I don't know. I'm not no chef, but he's sitting there waiting patiently for the guy to catch it. And God's there. God is right there for so many people. 
I'm not leaving. I'm waiting for you to catch this. I just want you to catch this. Me and you. Me and you. We have a long, we have a long list of purpose and destiny. It's gonna come, you're going to come alive. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be wonderful. And I'm not going to leave you. You know, the clock's not ticking. You know what I'm saying? It is ticking. Time. We're inside of time and space. Um, but a day is a thousand years, a thousand years of a day. I'm sitting here with you and I'm waiting on you and I'm full wholeheartedly desiring for you to fully click into this and I'm not leaving. And so there, there's that. And um, he puts, you know, the meat in a basket and he brings it out to him under the tree. And it says, the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, Jesus, he says, take the meat and unleavened bread and set it on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Take what it is you've brought to me and put it on the rock. This is Jesus Christ, the rock. Yes, on this rock I'll build my church, the revelation of who he is. The angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff, so I guess he had a big stick with him. That was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat. And then the angel of the Lord vanished. He could have vanished that whole time. He sat patiently and waited on little buddy Gideon to get his food out, to get his thing. All right, do your sacrifice, do your stuff. You know, go through your religious hoops, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit with you in it, and I'm going to wait because you're connecting to me, and I'm going to give you this sign. I said, okay, are you done? All right, pour the broth out. I don't know if that means pour it on top of it. It might have been. Soak it down like Elijah. And, um, okay, you watching? Touch that thing and freaking flames. What do you think Gideon's eyeballs look like when that happened, dude? <laughs> the thing, <laughs> like, it was like, I prepared this nice meal from Carabas for you to eat. And it's like, all right, cool. Bam, you know? <laughs> you know? So, um, and he vanished. It says, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Like, oh, snap. And not just an angel, the angel. The A, capital A, that was Yahweh. Because he says, alas, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He thought he was going to die from it because that's what they thought would happen. But we know because of 2 Corinthians 3.18 what happens when you see the angel of the Lord face to face, Jesus. When you see him, you come alive. When you see him, you're transformed in the same image from glory to glory. So he sees the face of the angel of the Lord. I've seen the face of the angel of the Lord. The angel's vanished. The Lord has vanished. And when he, alas, when he freaks out like that, it says the Lord speaks to him. <laughs> Which it's like, first the angel Lord's there, then he's gone, then he just speaks. I don't know if he speaks, if he's invisible still, and he just speaks. I don't know how this worked, but it's what it kind of looks like. He vanished, the fire, ah, then the angel vanished, ah, and he's freaking out and having a full-blown fear freak-out mode. Oh my gosh, that was him. Oh my gosh, that was actually the capital H, him. Like, oh no. And then the voice speaks to him and says, hey, peace be with you. Don't fear. You're not going to die. <laughs> it's like taps are like, hey, buddy, calm down. You're not going to die. Like, <gasps> you know? So he built an altar there and he called it the Lord's peace. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then the story goes on. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. And it's, uh, he starts doing really bold things after that. Yeah. It's just like, man, where's the guy get the, get the courage to do that? You know, step up into other God territories and messing up their idols. And, you know, all, all, he just, he, he, he shows up. The dude, sh the dude has been hiding, but he's not hiding no more. He starts showing up. 
and he still had hiccups and he still wanted a fleece and he still wanted some water on the fleece and around the fleece and he still wanted God to, would you please make sure that I know that it's you, that I know that it's you? And God always patiently obliged to communicate to him. He knew the heart was there to follow him, but the fear was from the poison of seeing him in a way that he wasn't. And that's where he's bringing every single one of us. That is the path. Yeah, if he's really with us, no, he's not. I'm alone. I'm actually alone. And that, my boy, my girl, is a lie. That's what he says. Like, oh no, I'm actually with you. I'm here. I've never left. That's the poison. Colossians 1, we were once alienated and enemies of God in our own minds. It's like, oh no, it wasn't real. Oh, the poison made us think we were separate. We're not separate. The veil that was torn was his flesh. Like he's, we're wide open. We're in him. He's in us. Like, oh my gosh. The fear starts to be extracted. And it's like, yeah, well, even if we are close, well, what about, but I'm, but I'm, you don't understand. I'm a loser. I'm, I'm something else. And it's like, okay. There's something that I, I wrote um, this week too, or recently. And it's a word of wisdom. Maybe I'll just close with this. Um, but communication from God gives us, um, I'm sorry, communication from God does not just give us information. It's, it actually imparts his nature to us. Yeah. Communication from God does not just give us information. It imparts his nature to us. All revelation Everything that comes from him, it's transformative. It causes his nature to be imparted to us. It's true. It's not just about information. It never is. Um, the communication that comes from him actually imparts his heart and his nature. And that itself is the authority in the spirit realm. Yeah. See, connection to him is everything. Because connection is what rewires and unwires the aspects of our brain, our psyche, our beliefs that have seen him in a way that he, not, that he never was. And the whole game hinges on actually seeing him. He, he gets so caught up in his tradition and in his belief, you can't see me or else you will die, which is true. But we were crucified in him before the foundation of the earth. Like, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live. This Galatians 2.20 is like when we really see him, we really realize that we were crucified in him and who he is is now who we are called to be and who we truly are. And that's the catch on that. That's the, that's the little catch, the key that unlocks that whole belief. And so here he is freaking out and it's like, hey, you're not going to die you actually just got infected a little bit with life and you're going to come alive because you've seen me. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to do the opposite of that. And he gives them direction. But the directional words of the Lord that so many people love revelation, they love to connect, they love that connection of God. I'm one of those people. And even direction, but the direction of the Lord, even geographical, physical, job, you know, things that he's calling us to do, they're actually a part of our transformation. You know, I've been around it. I've been in streams. I've, I've known some of the highest level, I will say prophetic ministers and people that have encounters and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've got a, a lot of experience that in my, myself. 
But I, I will say that prophetic revelation and understanding, and I got this word from the Lord, I got this, when it doesn't come with somebody being transformed, it's because it's not real, it's contrived. All true prophetic revelation, all true encounters with God produce fruit. If it's real, it produces fruit because it'll, it'll be lived. There's a reason, like these guys would, they'd eat a scroll in the Old Testament or in even the New, uh, in these prophetic revelations they'd have, they'd, have, they'd be fed a scroll, I think it was Ezekiel and I believe it was, um, I believe John. And it was sweet to the taste, but it was bitter in the stomach. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, man, it tasted good, that, ex- that thing going in, but man, when it, in the stomach, it had to become a part of them. It had to walk that thing out, you know? Um, and I, I wouldn't say that that's how all revelation is, but there's, there's an aspect of receiving connection and relationship, uh, uh, words or input or communication from God directly in prophetic experiences and these types of things that not only are they wonderful and exhilarating, they bring life, they bring direction, but actually walking them out and living them causes them to become a part of your person and it changes who you truly are, you know? I've seen, I mean, I've been known since I was young in this walk, so many people that would seem to have so much high-level stuff and even frequently and have it all the time, but it, but their nature never changed. And they were always going around the same mountain. They were always having the same conflicts. And they were always having the same um, character flaws and stuff like that. And so it's like, hey, man, that's one thing where, why we, where we judge if we're truly hearing from the Lord and being led of Him. It's actually producing life in our person. You know, it's actually changing us. We're actually growing in the fruit of that tree. The fruit of His Spirit, which is the love of God, which all of them flow from that. The joy and the peace, the patience, the kindness, all that goodness. All that comes from the love of God, you know what I'm saying? And knowing Him imparts that. And Gideon's experiencing this. (laughs) Courage started, it's like Jesus' words like, the Lord is with you. It wasn't like, oh, okay, cool. It's just like, it's like, no, I actually don't believe that. But it was true. And once he got to see him and know him, then it became true about him. Then he started doing some courageous things. He got a nickname that Jerubbaal, Jerubbaal, which means Baal, which a lot of people believe is a name for Satan, but it's, you know, it's a false god and deity, Elohim of the Old Testament, wicked, evil beings. But his name means... Jerubbaal meant, meant like, let Baal deal with him. Like, this dude fights against Baal. Like, beef with Baal. I don't know how we would say it here. Beef with the devil. That's the devil fighter. Baal fighter. You know what I mean? That's, that's what his name... It's just like, he went like, oh, that's the devil fighter right there, brother. It's like, that dude, a few weeks ago, thought he was a complete loser, was scared to death. He was all these different things. But why? Because he saw someone. He saw someone. And it didn't kill him. It actually made him come alive. And so anyhow, well, there's our, there's our message. I'm going to be done for today. It's still a full-blown message. How about that? Sorry. Um, you know, I, I, I really am excited to step into what is the inheritance of a son and a daughter. And look back even to the roots of Genesis of our family tree in this coming year in, Gen- in, in January. And throughout 2024, I think the Lord has wonderful and brilliant and beautiful things in store for so, all of us, every single one of us. And to the degree that that's hard to accept in your mind, there's somebody sitting under a tree in your yard that has something to say about that. I promise you that. It really is. And he's coming. And it's not even he's coming, he's there. He's, he has set up camp around, around your being. Mm-hmm.
You're in him and he's in you and he's there and he's a knocking dude. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know what I mean? Jesus say, Jesus acts like, man, he's, this is the, we will come and, and make our home with him. He's talking about him and his father. That's one of those times when he, he does a plural deal. You know what I mean? Like, hey, they're, he's knocking like, let the father in. Let your, let your father, let your inheritance, let the spirit of God into your life. Let this thing happen and watch the thing start to unwind. He wants, to, he wants people to encounter him.